On episode 29 of the Violence Design Lab podcast, I'm talking about the challenges of choreographing alone, without a partner to help you figure out that other half of the fight. Also, why do some fights just work for the actors and other fights just seem clunky and awkward? All this and more in just a moment. Out swords and to work with all. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings, David here. Welcome back. If this is your first time on the podcast, I'm a theatrical violence design coach that's here to encourage you to enter the world of stage combat, to coach you towards choreographing better fights, and to train you to tackle the challenges of theatrical violence design. I've been staging fights and violence for professional theater since about 1992, and I want to use those 25 years of experience to give back to our craft and to train the next generation to make it even better. This week marks something of a milestone for the Violence Design Lab podcast. We have crossed over 5,000 downloads. That's an amazing amount of support for a podcast that's only been running since about March. And I want to thank all of you for all the support and feedback and constructive criticism and praise that you've given me in just these few short months. Fittingly, this episode actually comes from a bit of listener mail. I love to get your responses to episodes, your feedback, and questions and topics that you may have for future episodes. You can contact me through email at violencedesignlab at gmail.com, or you can go to the, the Facebook page and leave a comment for me there. You can post on the wall, or you can even comment on the website either through the uh, Contact Me page or on uh, the various comment pages on the, the specific episode pages. The website address, of course, is www.violencedesignlab.com. No real surprises there. So this week, I want to answer a question from Alex. Alex writes, Hi Dave, I was hoping you might do a podcast sometime on how to choreograph fights when you don't have a partner. This is something that I've been trying to figure out lately. I like to show up to rehearsals with well-planned-out fights that I know are going to work. But without someone to test and practice my fights against, this doesn't always go as smoothly as I would like. I imagine that I'm not the only one out there who struggles with this. Alex. Alex, you're right. Uh, this is a great topic, and I want to address the whole question that you brought up. There's at least two parts to the question that Alex is asking here, and I think they need to be addressed separately at first so we can figure out what we're dealing with before we can put them back together and give him a holistic answer. See, the first part of his question is about choreographing solo. Now, I really understand this concern because I had the benefit of a long collaboration with Richard Gilbert. If you've uh, heard this podcast for any length of time, you know that for 16 years... He and I worked together in Chicago, and I never had to choreograph alone. Always had that partner, that collaborator, and just a friend to give advice and be on the other end of that sword fight. But in the five years since I moved to Washington State, I'm back to choreographing solo. Now, there is no question in my mind that choreographing a fight with a partner is in many ways easier, since it's much simpler to visualize both parts of the fight at the same time when there's somebody actually fighting against you. 
and that person can also help you make choreographic decisions if you get stuck or help you remember the moves when you're trying to record them and to and they prevent uh, you from designing moves in your head that are nearly impossible for a fight partner to do in real life. If you happen to work with a partner choreographically, that can be an amazing experience. But you can also use interns or apprentices, like we talked about last week, or students in your class, or or people like that. Anyone who knows a little something about stage combat can help you partner uh, with you and uh, choreograph fights. But Alex points out that he doubts he's the only one out there struggling with choreographing solo, and I tend to agree with him because solo work is honestly where most choreographers tend to live, if I had to guess. They tend to be solo artists. Partnerships, at least equal partnerships, are rare. Sometimes when a person is an established teacher of stage combat, They'll have some apprentices or uh, advanced students that they can tap into and use to help choreograph. But by and large, most violence designers out there work alone. They're the only person responsible for choreographing the fights. And often the choreography work happens in their living room or dining room at night with no one else to fight against them. So how do you keep everything straight when you can only fight one side of the fight at a time. The way I do it, first of all, is I make sure I have a clear story, phrase by phrase, of what happens in the fight. This helps me understand and remember the fight, and I'll come back to this especially in a moment. So, first of all, I design a phrase or a sequence from one fighter's perspective, often the main character, but if I have a a good hook for the attacker or the the villain, whatever it happens to be, the, the strongest hook that I have choreographically, I'll run with that and choreograph a few moves from one person's perspective. And I make sure that those actions feel okay. They feel comfortable, natural, they flow in that sequence. I don't want to create something that's uncomfortable or unfightable. And I'm going to talk about what makes those uh, some moves feel that way in a moment. But for right now, let's suffice it to say that I choreograph a few moves at a time with a strong story, and I get that down to where it feels pretty good and comfortable from the one person's side. Then I go back. I fight that same phrase from the other fighter's perspective. And now, of course, I'm performing the moves that correspond to the phrase as I just choreographed it for the other person. And if something feels really forced or it's unnaturally difficult to perform, I kind of tweak the choreography until it feels better. If I do have changes, I go back to the first person, fight that side again, and work back and forth until I get something that feels good on both for both participants. Then I write it down. Now when I'm choreographing with a partner, because of the ubiquity of camera phones and, and modern technology, the easiest way to record choreography these days is simply video. Just run the camera and fight the fight at slow motion or at an easy speed and just videotape the whole thing and be done. This, I think, is harder when you're working solo. Yes, of course, I can still take a video of me fighting one side of the fight, but that doesn't help me as much because I still then have to visualize what the other person is doing. 
Yes, obviously I can also videotape me doing that other person's side of the fight. I just don't personally find this helpful. If it works for you, great, run with it, whatever floats your boat. For me, when I'm choreographing solo, it's best for me to write down uh, the moves on paper. (laughs) And I have a notation system that I will at some point get into. I may even do an online masterclass for for how I notate choreography. I find uh, it's a useful system for especially sword work. Uh, It allows me to look at a glance and see what everybody in the fight is doing and when they're doing it. But at any rate, find a system that works for you and then write down both sides of the fight. In other words, if you're, it's a, assuming it's a one-on-one fight, write down what each person is doing at the same time or opposite each other. You need to find a way to, to express it where one person's action meets another person's reaction and vice versa. That's hugely important. Uh, if you can't write it down, and and then you'll have to remember it. And honestly... My choreographic brain will not serve me. I won't remember that fight from the night when I choreographed it until the evening or the day when I deliver it to the actors. So write it down. Once I've got the whole fight that way, then I take that paper in in one hand usually and I fight the entire fight from one person's perspective and then the other person's perspective. Just making sure that everything flows, it works, and there's nothing terribly awkward. Now, I want to get on to the other part of Alex's question, um, the part that he probably didn't even know he was asking, that part about planning fights that he knows will work before he gets to rehearsal. Now, first of all, I think I get what Alex is saying about fights that work. He's not talking here about the theoretical side of his design. In other words, he doesn't mean that his problem is creating choreography that satisfies the needs of the plot points of the scene, or that he's having trouble creating the artistic moments that deliver the audience impact he's looking for. But when fight people talk on this level about fights that work, quote-unquote, we're talking about making sure that the moves in your head translate to a fight that your actors can easily perform at full speed. Now imagine you're trying to recreate or choreograph a full-on Hollywood swashbuckling sword fight, right? You're trying to do the iconic ting-ting-ting of that lightning-fast sword play and the smooth, you know, dashing moments of, uh, movements of the cavalier. You need choreography that flows quickly from one move to the other so the audience, the actors can just rip through the choreography and just do the moves really fast. You'll quickly learn not all moves and not all fights are created equally, regardless of how inspired or realistic or cool or creative your choreography is, some sequences of moves flow better than others and they're more comfortable to fight. They just work. But when that happens, when you when you get those moments, there's actually several things collaborating to create that synergy. All right, so let's unpack those a little. Start with body mechanics. Do me a favor, take one long step forward right now, but leave your trailing foot in place. Now, I don't care if you're doing a Fiori Accrescimento or a Capoferro Lunge, or you just took a step like you're walking. It doesn't matter. The point is, your balance shifted forward and your weight changed. Now, that makes it easier to move the rear foot forward or to the side, but it makes it more difficult to move that front foot in any direction without first transferring your weight back to the other foot. So, similarly, from any particular fighting stance, guard, movement, attack, there's going to be some possible techniques that'll feel natural to transition into 
while others are going to feel awkward or forced or they're going to require an unnatural weight change or they're simply harder to get to from a particular starting place. Choreographic sequences feel better when they string together moves that follow the fighter's natural body mechanics and weight distribution and current motion. If there's sudden reversals of energy or weight shifts, the moves they can feel awkward in a sequence, especially when you have to perform them rapidly. Now, these same mechanics, they're at play with weapon work as well. Weapons have specific handling characteristics like weight, and balance, leverage, where on the weapon you grip it, which parts are dangerous, etc. And even these characteristics vary between weapons. One sword, a long sword, may feel very different and handle quite differently than another long sword that looks, you know, vaguely similar. See, choreography feels good for the performer when it takes those mechanics, body mechanics and weapon mechanics, into account. And it plot moves, you know, and when you plot the moves that use the weapon's characteristics favorably. If you've ever had like a very heavy sword or an impact weapon like a mace or a hammer, and you try to suddenly reverse its energy, it takes a lot of effort to do so. It's often ponderously slow to move. Whereas if you simply take it around in a moulinet, there that will allow the energy to keep going that uh, direction, switch back, and, and actually respond more quickly. But that's just a characteristic of the weapon. So once you understand about body mechanics and weapon characteristics, how do you figure out if your choreography uses them? Well, there's no mystery here, actually. Walk through it yourself. Pick a side of the fight or a particular fighter and and step through the moves you've planned and see how they feel. Now, obviously, start slow because if they feel awkward going slowly, they're only going to get harder as you increase speed. But if that goes well, do add some speed. Speed does change some things. You don't have to get to performance level, but go quickly enough so that things like awkward weight changes or stopped motion, they become apparent. So... If you do that and it all feels fine, you're done, right? Well, maybe not. You see, there might be more going on when you give it to the actors. Now, I might never meet you or see the show you're working on, but I can guarantee that you yourself won't be performing all the parts in that fight scene, which means your choreography is going to be filtered through the specific mechanics of somebody else's body. Here's a rule I learned the hard way pretty early on. Choreography that feels fine to you might not feel comfortable to someone else. Now, as far as body type goes, I'm only five foot six and I weigh uh, 10 stone, 10 pounds. If you're uh, if you're in the imperial system, yeah, about 150. I'm a small guy. And sometimes the actors I choreograph for have similar bodies to me and sometimes not. Sometimes they're much larger or heavier um, and I've designed fights for people literally twice my weight who could bench press me and for people even shorter and lighter than me. I've found, of course, one choreographic size, if you will, does not fit all. Now, the challenge is sometimes you're going to know the actor's body type ahead of time when you design the choreography, but sometimes you won't. Sometimes you won't meet them until the first rehearsal when you're supposed to teach them the moves. Now, 
if you know that their body is very different than yours, how do you know that what might be comfortable for you, but not them, especially if you haven't worked with them before? Well, honestly, you make educated guesses. Now, sometimes these can be fairly accurate. I know when I'm choreographing for my friend Brad, who's 6'6", that I can play with measure and distance because his reach is like a foot longer than mine. I also know an older actor who moves well in general, but he's got a knee issue that limits how quickly he can get to the ground without pain. And I can, you know, I can roughly guess that a person with an athletic build can do a lift on a person who weighs about the same as they do or somewhat less. And I can expect that a fourth grader might have trouble working with a full-size longsword, and I can plan my weapon selection to take their body type and strength level into account. But... When you're making any kind of guesses like that, or assumptions, or generalizations, you have to realize you might guess wrong, because prior training or life experience can really throw you a curveball. I mean, you can make a generalization, like uh, larger, heavier people tend to be less flexible or agile, and then you can watch a 300-pound guy on YouTube doing parkour, things that I would never attempt to do. And on the other end of the spectrum, I knew a waifish dancer in college that I wouldn't have thought could swing a longsword effectively at all until I watched her pitch a full bale of hay 12 feet away to her goats two stalls down. And back in my 20s, I watched a former um, stunt show coordinator that I had who was, I think in his early 50s at the time, throw a cartwheel down a flight of stairs to show me he wanted me to do that. Yeah, he picked the wrong boy for that. I could never do it. And and I looked at this guy and gray hair, gray beard, and he's throwing things like that. And I was shocked. So sometimes your actors can do things that their body type would indicate they couldn't. And that's a real happy accident for you that you can take advantage of if you know it. And sometimes, though, your choreography is going to match the actor's bodies just fine, but it won't feel comfortable to them yet. And both of those reasons are the same. The difference is training. That 300-pound parkour expert, the freakishly strong ballerina, and the acrobatic gray-haired stunt guy, they all had prior training and or life experience that allowed them to know how to use their bodies effectively for those activities. But guess what? You've had specialized training, too or at least I hope you have, in fighting and weapon training, and your actors may not have had such skill development. So even choreography, which may be just fine in terms of body mechanics, and it might take the weapon's characteristics into account, it might still feel foreign to those actors until they learn the techniques of manipulating the weapons, or things like the subtle weight shifts that you do without thinking. So the upshot is... Design choreography that flows naturally on a body, uh, on, uh, with body mechanics, and on a weapon mechanic level. Try to adjust for your actor's body types and skill backgrounds, and trust that the fight will work once the actors have the techniques to make it feel comfortable. Now, pay attention, because I'm about to contradict myself, or seem to. Your choreography should not always be comfortable. In fact, there should be times when it expressly doesn't, quote-unquote, work. What do I mean? Well, good fighting tactics actually try to place the opponent where it is difficult to respond effectively. 
Think of a tennis match. Players hit the ball back and forth, and the volley often continues while it's comfortable to return the ball. But good players, they're trying to angle their shots to force their opponent into a court position where the limitations of body mechanics make it impossible to return the ball. So that uncomfortable parry in your choreography, it might be the result of a sound tactical decision made by the fighter's opponent. And the very nature of its awkwardness may help the actor tell that fight story clearly. So you choreograph comfortably when you want a volley, and you can use the awkward for effect when you want to point up a particularly strategic move. Remember I said I, that I would talk about uh, the awkwardness and telling that story uh, a little bit earlier? Here's where knowing the story comes into play. If I am trying to tell a story where someone uses a particularly clever move to almost get a hit or a, or a wound in on their opponent, that awkward parry they have to do to, to keep themselves from dying, that might be exactly what I want. So when I'm walking through the fight and that's my story, I don't mind a bit of awkward or a bit of of something that I've got to throw myself out of the way of this incoming attack. That can be just fine when it serves the story. If, however, I'm trying to set up a bit of a volley, if you will. I'm trying to establish that both of these women are master sword fighters and that I want to see a back and forth for a few seconds before there's any chance of a real hit. Then I don't want to feel anything awkward. I want to make the choreography quote-unquote work, be as smooth as possible for the actors so that they can just flip right through it as if the characters, they the characters, are experts and this is easy. But if the awkwardness comes where someone has done something clever to try to score a hit and is ultimately denied, that's fine. Then the actors can take that awkwardness and they can use it that it is supposed to be awkward, not only act awkward, a bit awkward for the actor, but awkward for the character. It's okay to have moves that don't work for a specific character. I mean, Mercutio, for example, never chooses to die. It wouldn't be comfortable for him to die, and yet he does every single performance of Romeo and Juliet. So knowing the story of your fight will help you differentiate between choreography that's frankly just kind of clunky and you need to clean up to make the mechanics work a bit better and times when an awkward parry is an actual integral part of the story. So I hope that helps, Alex. Uh, you know, there's no magic bullet uh, for uh, working alone. You have to ha- use your imagination as best you can. Sometimes it just takes experience to figure out what actors can do and what they can't uh, when you're alone in your living room, you know, with a with a dowel or a broomstick trying to, to fight through a fight. But keep practicing, keep switching back and forth in uh, the fight and write it down. Those are the, my, my main tips for, for uh, choreographing alone. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, I really appreciate uh, you going over to iTunes, if you would. Click and give me some stars and maybe even a review. That really helps this podcast. Also, if you want to support it more tangibly, I do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash violence design lab. You can give a one-time donation to help keep the podcast going or even sign up for uh, some ongoing support. I really appreciate you tuning in and I look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com.